the best marketing strategy is to just stop worrying about giving away all your secret sauce and worrying about that your competitors are going to see it and being judged and just like, just go out and help. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff. Our guest on today's show is Joe Sullivan, owner of Gorilla 76, a successful industrial marketing agency. My goal in this interview is to uncover the secrets behind effective B2B marketing. Today, anyone who owns a smartphone has the tools to tell the world about their company. But how do we use those tools to stand out from the competition and get new customers? Today's podcast is brought to you by Graf Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graf Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graphpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. I am honored to be with Joe Sullivan today, owner of Gorilla 76, an industrial marketing agency in St. Louis. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks for having me, Noah. Excited to be here. I encountered Joe when one of the people from his agency contacted today's Machining World slash Swarfcast to see if I wanted to do an interview with one of their clients. And then I said, oh, I've heard of this Gorilla 76. Another client told me about it. So then I tracked him down. So my favorite thing, serendipity. Here we are. Marketing for a B2B company. This is something that I personally have been trying to crack the code of. And everybody is. Now, Joe's company does clientele that are probably a lot bigger than just about everybody listening to this show but I'll let him give us a rundown. But my thought is that I want to pretend we're at dinner and I'm just saying, all right, I want some free advice. I know I can't afford you or shouldn't employ your company for what I need. But these days, everybody fancies themselves a marketer. And I'm sure you have some opinions on that, but uh, I'm sure there's tons we can learn from you. So let's get started. First, just tell us, about Gorilla 76. Sure. Yeah. And I'll, I'll preface this by saying you don't need a big fancy marketing agency to do successful marketing. I, I really don't think you do. I think it's, it comes down to being really smart, being really focused, 
Yeah, maybe maybe having a few skill sets or developing a few, but I'm going to talk about things today that are not geared at companies who are ready to go spend $200,000 on marketing if, if that's just not you. So I want to make sure I keep this in context and provide some advice that can be actionable regardless of whether you're a, you know, $1 million new machine shop or you're, you know, a, a bigger organization. So but first, just tell us what you would do for your typical client and then we'll go into the home gamers. Totally, totally. Yeah. And so as, you know, to come back to your question, just tell us about Gorilla 76. So yeah, as, as Noah said, we are... An industrial marketing agency. We um, we're based in St. Louis. We're hiring our 23rd person right now. The 76 comes from seventh month of 06, which is when we founded the company. We were, you know, it's not the greatest story behind our name, but I was. And, and gorilla is gorilla because of gorilla marketing. It, yeah, it's a nod to the other spelling of gorilla, you know. And we we just like the animal and the you know the strong physical presence of that. The real answer to the question of you know where does our name come from is you know we were a couple of 23 year old guys who didn't know what the heck we were doing and uh, named a company. And, and here we are, you know, 15 years later or whatever. So, but, but really what we do is, is we work with, you know, kind of the manufacturing ecosystem You know, our clients, they vary from OEMs and CapEx equipment manufacturers to contract manufacturers, to software companies that serve the manufacturing sector with, you know, machine analytics or industrial distributors that we've worked with. And so it's kind of a variety, but we really have kind of built our our expertise in the manufacturing sector and you know, understanding that environment and harnessing the the knowledge and experience of engineers and technical professionals and in very consultative sales processes and then being able to take that knowledge and bring it into the marketing process and leverage. So you that. never you never do consumer products. No, no, no. We, you know, in our very earliest of days, we were kind of, you know, and I'm talking literally 12, 15 years ago, like we were an agency that kind of just did anything for anybody who write us a check, right? And uh, but we we found our way into B2B marketing and then niched into what we at the time, probably 10, 12 years ago, called blue collar brands. We liked working with companies that made stuff with their hands, did a lot in construction, had a few small manufacturing clients, and then that kind of snowballed and we just decided to own it. So probably been eight or 10 years that we've just been very niched into, into you know what we've called B2B mid-sized manufacturers. So... That seems to make sense though. And I think that's a little bit what we were going to talk about, about focusing and figuring out your niche. So the companies you work with, 15 million to 200 million in sales, that's the typical firms you would work with? Yeah. You know, if you drew a bell curve, you'd find probably you know, 90% fall into that range and some lower than that, some bigger, but it tends to be companies who have, um, they might have one or two internal marketing people. Some have none. Some have five, but it's, it tends to be a company that might have a, a marketing manager or somebody like that, that has maybe a little bit of experience and they've, they know they need help executing and building strategy. And, you know, we, we always make use of whatever internal resources our clients have, but uh, we're going to bring a variety of skill sets and expertise from the outside that they may not have. So, right. So how much does it cost if you wanted to employ you guys? So our clients are are spending, we're very transparent about all this on our, our website. We got a page called our process and pricing and kind of lay this all out. But you know, we're working with companies that are probably spending 125 to 200 K a year in marketing. And that, you know, that means agency fees. It means paid media. Uh, it means software, including um, CRM and uh, marketing automation software, maybe a little bit of budget for 
some web development that maybe would, would happen with a third party source. But we've kind of found that for the brand of marketing we do and to do it effectively, and if we're going to be heavily involved there in, in the execution, that's probably what, what about the investment you need to make to do something impactful where we're actually driving revenue. So somebody pays you and you integrate everything, the website, the podcasts, the blogs, the the Google, you will do everything. And it's nice when you can do everything because you can sort of integrate it all. Yeah. You know, we're looking kind of holistically at, at your marketing initiative. Yep. Okay. So, you know, I was querying you. I was saying, why would somebody need to go to a marketing person when they can hire, you can hire all of these people. You can hire a videographer, social media journalist, make your own blog. I guess the point is this holistic idea that it all works together. That is like a big value proposition you have. I think so. I think that's probably the argument. That's not just unique to us, but the idea of hiring an agency in general is probably the you're buying a piece of a variety of skill sets as opposed to you know hiring five people that have all the skill sets and they need to figure out how to work together. Here's my problem. For instance, social media. We have a social media person and she's very good. But she tells me, I can only do so much because when people are on there, you've got to be interacting with them. You've got to be facilitating this community. And honestly, I haven't gotten around to that yet. If you guys are taking control for these people of this stuff, how can you do a good job on, for instance, social media or, for instance, blogging for a company if you're not from that company? Well, I think to answer your question, you, you have to, you know, we're, we're talking about specific tactics here, but in, in no scenario am I advocating for someone on the outside to come in and ghost write on LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or wherever for your company's CEO or one of your salespeople or one of your engineers or something because your marketing person, Noah, is right. Oh, I know she's right, but it sucks because I would love to to just be able to like do podcasts and blog and just go, all right, now make everybody see it. Right. Well, I think it all comes down to where are you going to where are you going to be able to actually create some impact and like to to go try to hire somebody from the outside to come in and take over your LinkedIn profile and figure out what to write and publish every day. I mean, a, it's, it's not authentic, which is my biggest problem with that. You know, it's, it's one thing to craft content and to drip it out bit by bit. It's another thing to be able to react to what people are saying as they comment on your stuff and be able to respond in real time with valuable answers to those questions or responses to those comments. Like, if you're going to do organic social media, meaning like not putting a paid budget behind it, but doing it organically, then I think the value an agency can create for you or some marketing consultant or just somebody inside your company who knows what the heck they're doing is to help you build a strategy for it. And to, but what it comes down to, like me personally, I, you know, I've got, yeah, I have a team of 23 people, but I spend probably about one hour every single day writing in LinkedIn and proactively going out and commenting. But that is all me. I would never hire somebody to do that for me, regardless of my marketing skill set. And I think if you're going to win organically, yeah, you probably need to do that. And, and frankly, it's the reason that we rarely build an organic LinkedIn or Facebook or wherever strategy into our clients' plans. Oh, okay. You don't do that. No, because the lift is heavy. If you're going to make an impact. And unless your CEO or whoever the thought leader in your company is going to get in there and physically do that, like, yeah, we could help them with the strategy. I would love if we could do that, but we know that's not realistic for you to execute that. So we don't do it. 
we do the things that, that drive revenue. <laughs> so okay. this helps me know where you're coming from. Now let's take a step back though. You know, we're, we're kind of getting detailed in with the social media right now. I want to like go back. I'm a machining company and I'm trying to, I'm at dinner with you. I'm saying, look, Joe, I'm trying to get myself together. I'm trying to get a vision, a marketing plan together. What do I need to work on? What do I need to focus on? What, where do I start? Yeah. The first thing you need to do, like if I, if I broke down as simply as I could, what a typical strategy is going to look like, you know, there's going to be a lot of nuances here and variability from one company to the next based on who you are and who your audience is and how competitive your space is and what sort of presence you already have. But in general, you could break things down into three buckets. The first one is, is to create focus. The second one is to create amazing, valuable content assets. And the third one is to go out and proactively distribute those assets in front of the right people from the right companies. I'll go into each one in a little bit of depth here. So the starting place for any company, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're in manufacturing or not. I don't care if you're a small machine shop or if you're a big, massive industrial product distributor or whatever. First thing you need to do on the marketing front is you need to create some focus. You got to pick some lanes here and say, this is... We may serve these 10 different industry verticals. We may have this product line or service line, and, and then this one over here and everything in between. I mean, this is what I hear from every company, right? And, and they're all important. And, and operationally, that's fine. I, I mean, you can make those operational decisions. But from a marketing standpoint, you've got to create some focus here. You, you can't say, I'm, we're gonna, we need to, to target aerospace and automotive and um, you know, oil and gas. And like, we can't go at all these things full speed and be able to assume you're going to accomplish anything, frankly. What if you're a machining company and like many of them joke, they are in the shooter up and sell them up business. You know, they got, they're on a, a lot of, they're a job shop. They do a lot of medical and they do a lot of firearms. Should they have then two focuses and go after two different things? How, what would you advise them to do? Yes. I, I mean, the answer is yes. Like if, if you have two areas of focus in, in most cases, yeah, I think that's probably fine. Like I, I think it, it just depends on what resources you can put at it. But you know, if, if medical device manufacturing manufacture some parts along, uh, along the supply chain there or whatever, if that is it, that's like, that's a great target, right? We can, we can say, all right, we're targeting these types of engineers inside of medical medical device manufacturers in the United States who have these needs and experience these problems. That's a great area of focus where you can. Okay. So you've, mm -hmm. you've chosen you. Okay. So you've chosen that as your focus. Sure. Now what's the next step? Okay. So, you know, what types of companies you're trying to reach, you know, you're, you're, you've picked an industry vertical now it's okay. Now who are the buying process influencers inside of those companies that we need to reach? And, and often it's an engineer. It's a technical professional who is, you know, trying to accomplish something or has a common set of problems that he or she's experiencing, you know, on the floor that you can solve, or it's a solution you provide people who look like them regularly. Uh, but the, the next step when you're focused on the right people is now we need to deeply understand what matters to them. And so we are huge advocates of doing voice of customer work or customer interviews. Like the first thing we will do with any client, once we pitch a, pick a focus is, okay, we need to talk to 10 of your customers and the ones that resemble the types of companies where you, you want to be doing business. And, and we go to them. Social, so, social proof. Yeah. And social, I, mean, I think like social proof is, is something that comes out of those conversations when you hear 
you know, success stories that those people can tell. But the thing I'm really after upfront is not that it's not a bunch of people to tell me how great we are and, and how successful they were. It's to tell me, what did your buying process look like when you were looking for someone like us, a machine shop, or, you know, you were looking for a solution. What did the buying process look like? Where were the issues you were experiencing? What were the questions you were trying to get answered? What mattered to you about a company like us? You want to understand what's going on in their head when they are experiencing a problem or trying to get something done, because it's that that's the stuff that matters. That is what matters to your customer. And that is what your marketing strategy has to say. So you're talking, you're, so you're talking about right now, the research. Yeah. It's customer research. I mean, that, that's what it is. And and we do it through, you know, you pick your lane, you deeply understand what the people inside of those companies that you're trying to reach care about and you build your marketing strategy out of that. So when I'm talking about like the focus part of what we do, it's once you know that now it's, okay, now we need to craft a content strategy that is going to speak to those things, those common questions that these people have in their buying process, the issues they're dealing with, uh, the triggers that lead them into the buying process and cause them to you know, go online or go to their referral network or whatever and, and try to find a solution. Uh, and we're going to build a content strategy around that. Uh, and when I say content can mean a lot of things, it can mean what you're doing right now, Noah, which is you know hosting a podcast where maybe you're bringing in experts that look like them and and you're producing content that you know addresses that stuff. It can be written content, like get, you know, and that's where you know an agency can add some value, or if you've got somebody who can write inside your company and who can interview, like to be able to pull the the knowledge out out of the brains of your own technical professionals and turn that into something that is of value to your audience in their buying process. Like that's a unique skill, but it's something you can learn how to do too. Listeners. First, I got to tell you, I'm so grateful for you guys tuning in. I know we have lots of competition out there. Freakonomics, This American Life, Joe Rogan. Also, I just want to let you know, if you have guest ideas or questions for me or Lloyd, we'd love for you to reach out. And if you want to talk about future advertising opportunities, we're very happy to talk to you anytime. Feel free to email me at noah at grafpinkert.com. That's N-O-A-H at G-R-A-F-F-P-I-N-K-E-R-T dot com. And now back to the episode. So is this, for instance, would your company go to a company, um, one of your clients and sort of almost ghostwrite? Ghost, I don't love the word ghostwrite, but in essence, what we're doing is you know, once we learn what this type of customer cares about from this, you know, medical device vertical or or wherever we are, then yeah, we're going to take, what we're going to do is now we're going to go interview for the purpose of creating content. We're going to go interview your subject matter experts. So machine shop owner, we are talking to your professionals inside of your company who are the experts at addressing those things that we just learned are the most important things for your buyers. Right. And so it's the job of, of the content creator, not to ghostwrite, but to facilitate content creation on their behalf. Cause I haven't spoken to many engineers in my life who would love to sit down for eight hours and write a blog post or, you know, launch a podcast. Like it's, 
they've got a job to do. It's hard to create great content. And so, so I think marketing's role, whether it's somebody internally at your company or externally, or, or maybe it's not even someone with the marketing job title, but they can help fill this role is, is to sort of extract knowledge from your, your professionals. Because what, what, I, what I used to do was uh, back a gazillion years ago, when we had a print magazine, we had a column called Shop Doc, which was like a, a technical advice column. And usually, like many technical advice columns out there, you ended up having to make your own question and answer. Like once in a great while, we actually had somebody write in. But I had like a stable of people that we would go to, engineers, troubleshooters at companies. And then they basically like dictate what it was all about. And then I would write it because, again, as you said, these people aren't writers. I suppose that may be actually easier than trying to come up with a real like then trying to come up with some sort of conceptual blog post. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's got to come from your, what you're publishing has to come out of the brains of your professionals, of your true experts. And that's, that's why I think the podcast is so good because then you can just talk to them. Yeah. Talk to them. Let them, let them talk. Right. They're not sit, required to sit there and, and craft their, like, th- I think the beauty of a podcast. And I mean, when I was starting to talk about content creation, like it could be written, it could be video. Like one thing that we love doing is when we plan a content strategy and we say, Hey, we got to cover this topic and this topic and this topic, because all your customers we interviewed are all talking about these things. This is what matters to them. Who is your subject matter expert? Let's put a videographer on site for a day and let's get them talking. Um, and we'll, prep the interview ahead of time, or let's get two of your experts sitting around the corner of a table and we're going to facilitate a conversation. They're going to talk to each other or like you're doing now. Yeah. Let's interview them on a podcast because the, the beauty of video or audio as a medium is that you don't have to be perfect. Like if you publish something in writing and it's, it's littered with errors and it sounds bad. Oh, we only publish perfect things. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you look like an idiot, right? When you, when you publish something and it, it reads terribly and it, it's boring to read, frankly, and there's, there's spelling errors and like, you don't do that. But in a medium like this, I mean, how many times have I gone back on what I said or said, um, or, or whatever, it doesn't matter, right? If we are having a good conversation we are creating value for the listener, that is what matters the most. And so I think that's the beauty of it, it brings a, a so Joe, you don't, you don't have a guy in Argentina like we do taking out all the ums and everything. <laughs> well, maybe a little bit, but, <laughs> but there's, a, there's a human quality to video and to audio. Absolutely. That you can't replicate in words on a page or words on a screen. And like, you know, we're, we're just huge advocates of trying to communicate through video in a lot of ways. We do it in our side, our company, you know, just for day-to-day communication, like, as opposed to pulling five people into a meeting and, and, or writing a, an email, that takes me 20 minutes to craft. I'll, I'll just hit record, use a tool called loom. I hit record, speak through it in two minutes and send it to my team. And like, you know, if you just think about where can you integrate video or audio for efficiency purposes, and, and that efficiency applies to content creation. If you need to produce expert content for your audience, you, know, you could probably communicate the same thing in a conversation like we're having that's recorded and then published uh, four to five times faster than you could do it if you articulated everything in perfect writing on a, on a page. So... Well, honestly, as cool as we think videos and podcasts are, people still crave reading. Sure. And I think crafting the words, that takes a long time, but actually consuming it 
So many people tell me, sorry, I don't have time to listen to the podcast. And they do, but they, they're just not used to listening to it in the car or whatever. Sure. They're just like, I just want to read it. And then honestly, like the thing that takes the longest and this whole process is writing the summary. <laughs> um, but so I was going to ask you out of all the things, if you're producing content focused to your tribe, if you could do one of the things well, would it be writing, video, social media? Well, I think what I didn't get to yet is... So we talked about focus on the, on the audience. We talked about creating content. The third piece of the pie there is distribution of content. So when I think of social media or email or I don't know, direct mail or whatever, I think of these as distribution channels for the content assets you're making for specific people. Okay. So what I mean by that is when you've made content assets, whether that means written content, whether it means a podcast, whether it means short, you know, impromptu videos or interviews with people that you want to publish or whether it means you know making infographics or a webinar uh, you know putting a videographer on site and recording you know videos of experts talking whatever it is whatever your medium is for producing expert content that matters to your audience the third thing where most companies miss is now how are we going to go out to our ideal customer profile and reach as many people in our total addressable market as possible that this content was created for. Because what you can't do is sit back and wait for people to show up in your doorstep on your website. Like, yes, SEO, search engine optimization matters. I'm an advocate for it. But too many companies just... They sit back, they make these amazing assets and they sit there collecting dust and four people see it on their website when they've got you know a 1,000 people or 10,000 people out there who should be seeing it. And so what you need to do after you've made these assets is you need to figure out where does my audience consume information online and how am I going to get in front of them? And, and you have to look at it two ways when you're going out to distribute content. You have to consider that probably a very small percentage of your buyers are actually in a buy cycle at this moment in time. And you think of everybody in that medical device market who you could possibly sell to who fit that engineering job description that we're targeting and who we, you know, we interviewed people who look like them. We learned what matters to them. We made amazing content for them. And what percentage those people are actually in an active buy cycle right now. In most cases, probably less than 5%. And so the mistake that so many manufacturers make is they, they just go out there with sales messaging that assumes people care right now, that they're actually, you know, they want to listen to you right now. But when you are not in an active buy cycle and people are put a, a megaphone and they're blasting sales messaging in your ear, you tune it out. You don't want to hear that. When you are in a buy cycle, it's a different situation because you're actively you know, you're vetting, you're, you're trying to gather information, you're vetting potential providers once you've gathered enough information. So when you think about content distribution and going out there to your audience, you need to capture demand where it exists. And you know, when people are looking for information to help them in their buying process, they go to Google, they go to the referral network that, you know, that's what happens out there. And so that, that's why you, you know, an organic presence, it matters, right? An organic search presence, like being visible there, supplementing it with some, probably some paid search around high intent keywords, like focus on keywords for people who are active buyers, but the rest of your audience, the other 95% who 
does fit your ideal customer profile. They are these engineers with these job titles in this geography with these interests, but they're just not buying today, but they might be tomorrow and they might be next week. They might be in a year and three years. Your job on the marketing front is to establish a thought leader position in your space, to be the one who is creating valuable content that matters to them in a non-salesy way, creating it objectively and being a resource so that when they do enter that buy cycle next week or next year, they already know your name. There's a positive association with your brand. You've been educating them along the way without trying to sell them stuff. And they either pick up the phone and call you because you're the first one they think of already because you're top of mind or when they do go to Google and they see your company's name alongside nine others on that first page, you're the one that, that they immediately recognize. So that that's what this is about. It's, you have to think of who is buying now and how we're going to reach them and who's not and, and understand that you're not going to convince them to buy something they don't need. Instead, you need to create value for them all along the way. Uh, so you're the, you're the first choice when they get there. That makes sense. It's so funny though. I mean, I asked, I did a season about how people find work, you know, how they find new jobs for making parts. And so many people said word of mouth was the key. But to me, it seems like by having the blog and by establishing your credibility in a, like this, that might be able to help create the word of mouth because it, it makes you into an authority. Because then also, if somebody recommends you, then they can also say, oh, and I listen to their podcast all the time or... That's absolutely right. You need to give people a reason to believe you're an expert. Because if, if all you do is sit there and talk about how great you are, why should anybody believe that? Demonstrate that you are an expert in this and that your team of engineers under you or your, you know, your machinists or whoever are true experts and showcase that not by talking about yourself, but by getting them on camera, by, you know, taking the knowledge out of their brains and turning it into written content, however you do it you know, show, don't tell. Cause nobody's listening. Nobody cares. Everybody talks about how they're the greatest and they have the best people and their customer service is unmatched. Maybe true for you, but nobody has any reason to believe that because every other company in your space is saying the exact same thing. So you need to show you're an expert. Exactly. What's a typical issue you find with a lot of people's websites when you go to mm -hmm. B2B companies? It's all, it's just filled with first person pronouns. I, me, my, we, us, our, we, yeah. we are the yeah. greatest. We do this. We go, go look at okay. your website and count how many first person pronouns are, are, are present there. What's wrong with that? Same thing. I just said, no one cares. Literally no one cares except for people who are late in the buying process. And they're, they've, you've done something to establish enough trust that you're in their, their you know, they're in their, the set of you know, final three companies they're looking at. And now they're vetting you really closely. You need to flip that around and say, you know, we do this for companies who look like this and state that very succinctly. And then you need to say those types of companies come to us when they are experiencing this type of problem or this type of problem or this type of problem, or they're trying to achieve this or this or this. And in, in those cases, we could be a potential fit, you know, learn more like that. That should, that's your homepage right there. You need somebody to make a connection, you need to make a connection to the problem that they're experiencing or the thing they're trying to achieve, the outcome, the business outcome they're trying to achieve before you start blabbering on about all this, the services you provide and how amazing you know your team is and all the, the logos that you've done business for. You need that stuff, but everybody leads with that. And that's the problem. 
people don't care about you yet. They care about what they're trying to achieve. And so you have to go there first. Uh, okay. That makes total sense. I mean, that's it. That's the problem with, with 99% of, of B2B manufacturers websites. We are amazing at this and this and this and this, this is all the stuff we do. No one cares. So instead of we are this, you say you want to come up with an anecdote or, you know, I think it's, it's good to say who you serve. Cause you know, th- I think that matters. If you're just a generalist that does everything for everybody, well, well now you, you don't, you know, there's no way to differentiate yourself. So I would much rather have 10% of, of the website visitors. And we did this at one point, like for us, we help our clients do it. I'm like, if this is who you serve, just say it. Because when people see that and they are that, it has that much more impact. They say, okay, th- this type of company works with people like me. They're not just doing it. Like if my website just said, we work with companies that are this size or this size or whatever. No, we work with mid-sized B2B manufacturers who have these characteristics, right? But I think, you know, come back to your question, like what, what do you say? You have to flip it around. And instead of saying, we do these things for these companies and go into detail on that stuff, you have to start with saying companies who are experiencing this and this and this and this, those are, those are often good fits for us. And, and then here's how we help them address that stuff. Okay. So you are going back into the first person. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And I'm not saying your website shouldn't have any first person pronouns. Ours probably has plenty, right? But you need to, I almost use as a metaphor for this, the situation here, you need to focus on what matters to the person from the type of company that you're trying to reach in their role and connect with those things before you start talking all about the stuff you can do for them. When you think of happiness, what do you think of? When I think of happiness, what do I think of? For, for me, like you know, I've I've got a eight week old son that, that was just born. He's our third. I've got a my daughter's Mazel tov. Yeah, thank you. My my daughter just turned seven. My son's about to turn five, and I whether it sounds like BS or not, it, the truth is like, that is my motivation for what I do and, you know, trying to, to give them a great life. And like the greatest joy is the day my son was born eight weeks ago is, is, you know, it, it's a day I'll never forget, but it's just, it's being able to spend time with them. And I, I feel very lucky in my job. I feel that the control I have over my life, I, I go, if I'm not home already working from home, like I'm, I'm going home every day at probably four 30 and, um, and I'm gonna spend time with them before dinner and I'm going to not work on the weekends and to have, being able to have that is, is really happiness to me, I guess. So I've, I've really, my business partner, John, and I have a very aligned on on that. We kind of formed our company's mission around being able to have that kind of freedom in our lives to you know do the things we we love um, and not just be you know, drowning in work. So that's fantastic. One more question: uh, You have anything else to say to the people of the world? Final yeah, remarks. Sure. Uh, just try to focus on being helpful. Like, wow, that is that is that is so profound. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true though. Like I, I think yeah, I wrote this blog post a couple of years ago that uh, it was just called Give G I V E, um, and it was very out of the ordinary for my typical like in the weeds marketing advice I'm providing. But it really, and if I were to write a book, like it would probably be focused on like the best marketing strategy is to just stop worrying about giving away all your secret sauce and worrying about that your competitors are going to see it and being judged and just go out and help. And it all comes back around. It really does. It sounds, it sounds like a, you know, cliche thing to say, but you know, this, my podcast, the manufacturing executive, I'm 70 episodes in like yours, you go in there and you interview people who are experts in what they do and you create value for your audience. 
And I think if you just do that in all elements of, of running your business, whether it's with your employees or if it's you know your marketing approach, your sales approach, if, if your philosophy can be, I'm going to help the person in a genuine way on the other end, it will all come back around and it's going to do you a lot more good than just sort of focusing on talking about all the, all the great stuff you do. So. Oh, fantastic. That's, I totally need to just think about that like constantly. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And tell everybody where they can find your website and how they can find your podcast. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. So you know, our website is gorilla like the animal, G O R I L L A 76.com, gorilla 76. The podcast is The Manufacturing Executive. You can get to it by just going to themanufacturingexecutive.com or um, find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and then as far as me, find me on LinkedIn if you are somebody who's active on LinkedIn. I'm one of about 10,000 Joe Sullivan's on there. So, you know, look for <laughs> Joe Sullivan, Gorilla 76. Average Joe Sullivan. Yeah, exactly. I got about the most common name there is. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm super active on LinkedIn. I publish insights um, probably three to five times a week, the best I can. And, and um, wow. Uh, so yeah, that's where to find me. <laughs> I'll go there and try to learn from what you're doing. From today's machining world, this is Swarfcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to the show on your favorite app and give us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and todaysmachiningworld.com to join our mailing list, read episode summaries, and watch extended interview videos. I'm Noah Graff. My occasional co-host is Lloyd Graff. Our managing editor is Ridgely Dunn. Our audio engineer is Patricio Garcia. For information on advertising or to submit an idea for a future podcast, follow the contact information at todaysmachiningworld.com. <laughs> <laughs>